Voice Memos podcast with Jen and Myron. Hey, welcome to Voice Memos. I am Myron Clifton and my co-host is Jennifer. So Jennifer is a wonderful lady. She's originally from Wisconsin, now in California, flaming redhead with a beautiful big old dog named Mojito that I call Beast. She's a great sister, daughter, and a great friend. And uh, she is my co-host. Hey, Jennifer. Hello, hello. So nice that we're recording this because I get to save this and hear this over and over again, the compliments that you gave me. So I lied. <laughs> this is my friend and probably my bestest friend. I've known Myron over 20 years. He is a published author. He is an amazing writer, highly intelligent. And one thing that I can really tell you about him that stands out is how he raises his daughter, Leah. So what's funny about this, um, this week's episode is I'm flying solo. I'm by myself and Jen doesn't know. So let me tell you what happened. So um, we had a conflict. We had a scheduled conflict. And we couldn't figure, we couldn't get a time together because um, I have to go. We usually record on Wednesday. Today is Thursday. No, today is Wednesday. So we usually record. No, today is Thursday. Okay, I'm all mixed up. So we usually record on Wednesday or Thursday. So we couldn't record yesterday because of uh, Jen's job. She was busy. Uh, she was in the office busy all day. And then today, she has a, another bunch of meetings and stuff. And then I have to go to the airport and pick up my partner. So we couldn't really find a time to do it today. So we decided that we were going to rerun our 50th episode which is also our one-year anniversary of voice memos and welcome to voice memos i'm myron and um this is the myron and jen show voice memos and jen's not here and so we were voice memoing this morning and jen goes well why don't we just run our 50th episode last week one-year anniversary and we'll come back next week because we did 50 straight weeks like we didn't take a break like some of the other podcasters in our network and I was like, okay, yeah, let's do that. Because uh, we have to record the podcast and we got to get it to um, our network director so they could get it uploaded and all this other kind of stuff. So we don't do any of that. We just we just talk. So I was like, yeah, th- let's do that. That's a great idea. So so we finished off Whisper Mose and I immediately thought, I ain't doing all that. I'm going to record by myself. She crazy. <laughs> <laughs> so what's funny is, to me she's just gonna get this podcast like it'll pop up in her podcast feed and you know i'll give it a a little title or something and i know it's gonna make her do a double look and she's gonna be like what you did that without me i'm like yeah because i don't want to break our streak and even though you have a life and a job and responsibilities and stuff i don't care (laughs) <laughs> i don't care so because i have some time this morning i thought i'd do it 
I thought I'd do it myself. So, but maybe we do something a little bit different because, um, you know, this is the podcast where we don't go deep on the topics. We are shallow. We, we stay shallow with things. So a couple of things I was thinking about that happened this week. One was uh, the men's and women's NCAA uh, basketball finals. So, you know, March Madness, as it's called, and it's a billion dollar enterprise. And, you know, it's, we talked about this last week. It's one of the, I think it may be the only sporting event in this country that impacts every state because you have teams, because you have division one, division two, and um, division three and four, uh, men and women's basketball tournament. And the, and the teams are from college basketball tournament and they're from all over the nation. And you're slowly whittling down to, you know, the top team. Now in division one, the men's and women's final four, those are the, the big ones. And so the men's was, came down to University of Connecticut, which is a longstanding um, powerhouse. Like they're a great basketball school. I don't even know where Connecticut is. And if that's really even a state, I. I tend to believe it's a state because you see that word Connecticut you know, all over the place. And, you know, 99.4% of Americans have no idea what a Connecticut is and, or where, like, where is Connecticut? I don't know where that is. I just see it in, you know, New York movies. Like sometimes they'll be like, oh, I'm going to Connecticut. I'm like, well, how far is Connecticut from New York? Because on the West Coast, you know, you're not just popping over to another state. Like it, it's not happening like that unless you're, Unless you're way up in Northern California, way, way at the top, and you can go to Oregon, like in an hour or so or something like that. But other than that, you are hours and hours driving from another state. You're hours flying, but you're hours and hours trying to drive to another state from, from California. Um, I mean, there are some places like L.A. to Vegas. It's not that far. It is a drive that drunken L.A. people make. Um, but generally speaking, but you see these New York movies, they're like, oh yeah, you know, I'll be home for dinner. And then they'll be in Connecticut. Like what? How tiny are those states? They're, they're like, they're like school districts. Those states are so, so small. They're like school districts. And, um, so anyway, so University of Connecticut, um, has a, a great basketball, college basketball program. And they were playing San Diego state, which I mean, let's be real. There's no, there's no sports in San Diego. That's serious. Like San Diego is a beautiful place right on the coast with beautiful uh, Mexican food for obvious reasons. And um, it's not as, um, it's not as Republicans as it used to be quite as it's kept. And, you know, there's a couple of colleges there, but San Diego is just a shadow of Los Angeles, right? Because it's not Los Angeles, it's San Diego. And so it doesn't have the international flair of, of LA, it's San Diego, but it's a beautiful place. And there's some, there's some great restaurants there, some wonderful sites um, and all that kind of stuff. And they happen to have a, a Cal State University, San Diego State, that they're the Aztecs. Which, which tells you something, right? That, you know, what used to be a highly Republican area, they're called the Aztecs because California used to be uh, Mexico. And San Diego, 
was like right in the mix. So anyway, they're not supposed to be very good at basketball. You know, they they make the turn it the tournament, you know, pretty regularly, fairly regularly, I would say, but they're they're never never dangerous doing anything until this year. Those those guys made it to the finals. And they had some great games along the way. And that's one of the fun things about the tournament that you can get these Cinderella's. But usually by the time you get to the finals, usually the final four, usually have what are called the blue blood schools, the big schools that have the most talent because they recruit the most. And let's be honest, they pay these athletes, these athletes' families the most. So uh, so you have the 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 historically great college basketball school university of connecticut versus san diego state and connecticut had won all their games in a tournament by like 15 20 30 points they were just a juggernaut and san diego state had played a series of close games but they were really good down the stretch in every game and so they they matched up in the finals and university of connecticut the huskies they're called they promptly romped. They destroyed San Diego State. <laughs> now, people are going to tell you, oh, San Diego State made a couple of runs in the second half and brought it to win five, within five or something. But let me tell you, nobody thought that UConn was in any danger. So congrats to UConn Huskies and their coach. He's one of those hurt. His last name was Hurley. I think his name was David Hurley or something like that. But his brother was a great college player at Duke. Bobby Hurley, he was a great, great player at Duke. He got drafted by the Sacramento Kings, as a matter of fact. And Bobby Hurley got in a car accident. And I think it was his rookie year. And, and he missed, I think, the, the rest of his rookie year, maybe most of his second year. Uh, he eventually came back, but he was never really the same. Because, you know, you mess up your legs and knees and ankles and feet as a basketball player. It's hard to come back from that. So, um, But he had a great college career. And now his brother who was the, you know, the overlooked brother. His brother is a, is a winning coach. So that was the men's game. That was on Monday. But on Sunday was the bigger game. It was the women's game. So the women's game, I mean, this was a big deal because women's college basketball is really great basketball. It, it's really great basketball. And you can't look at it like men's style versus women's style. Like you can't look at it from the perspective rather of saying women can't do what the men do. Like, that's not how to look at it because, yeah, they're not going to be flying through the air doing alley dunks, but that's a different game. So women and men basketball are the same sport, but very, very different. But the skill level is the same, and the women's skill level is off the charts. And this game was a great matchup of uh, Louisiana State University, LSU, versus um, – Iowa, so the Iowa Hawkeyes and the LSU Tigers. Now, there were a lot of different storylines. Iowa has a lady named Caitlin Clark, who is known as, um, she, I'm sure she'll be voted, if she wasn't already, the um, college player of the year. Like She is um, dynamic. She can shoot the three from anywhere on the floor. Like She will cast a three, like Curry out there, just be throwing it up. I mean, making them, but she can ball too. She got handles, meaning she can dribble. She can go to the hoop. She can rebound. She's a pretty good defender. She's not, she's not high level defender, but she's serviceable, right? Um, but she's a baller and she's a trash talker. Now hold that thought because that trash talking comes back later. And they were going against uh, LSU. 
and LSU. Um, always a good solid team. It's just like the Iowa Hawkeyes. They're always good solid teams, but neither one of them title title contenders year in and year out. But they'll be they'll be in the tournament. But LSU has this sophomore named um, Angel Reese, and Angel Reese um, also a trash talker, and she's I think she's a power forward, but she plays center as well. And she's a score. She's a she's a score. She will score the ball down low. So like she is a killer around the basket. Rebound, block shots. Um, and she, she can score in the paint. Like that's her game. So this was the matchup. Now, uh, Iowa's coach, I can't think of her name right now, but she's a solid coach, good career. Um, I'll respect it. And LSU's coach, I know her name, Kim. Um, I think it's Malarkey. I call it Malarkey, but it may not be Malarkey, Murky or something like that. And she had won a title at another school. Um, man, I, I can't remember right now, but she had she had won a title. Or oh, at Baylor. She had won a title at Baylor because she was the coach of Brittany Griner. Okay, so this gets interesting now. So as you recall, Brittany Griner, when she uh, she was a professional player, best player in the league. And in the offseason in women's ba- professional basketball in the United States, the WNBA, they don't pay those women a lot of money. So many of those women also play in European leagues. And Brittany Griner played in the Russian league. And Russia arrested her um, near, near the beginning of the Russian-Ukrainian war and held her hostage. And they said that she had some weed. She had some. She had some liquid weed, whatever, whatever that's called. Like I, I'm, I'm not a pothead, so you potheads will know what that is. But anyway, and they held her in jail for months and months, right? And so, her college coach, Kim Malarkey, asked her about it, and she wouldn't say anything about it. She wouldn't say, "I wish her well. I'm praying for her to come home," because you know, you know, you know, she was from Baylor, a Christian school. You know, you know, we. She's great, but she wouldn't talk about her. And it came out that not only was she um, anti-LGTBQI, the coach of college, college, women's college basketball is a homophobic bigot. bigot. That's her. Now, uh, women's college basketball and pro basketball, they're, particularly in the pros, they... Uh, the WNBA welcomes and really celebrates its uh, diversity and the fact that and it, um, they acknowledge that they have a lot of their fan base are uh, lesbian and many of their players are like they don't they don't run from that right they used to but not anymore like they they, they just sort of welcome. It, and, it, and it's a really nice thing to see a professional sport do that, right? Uh, but colleges are not not there yet because a lot of those colleges, they're college, right? And so many are religious schools like Kim Malarkey and Brittany Grind were at Baylor, right? A religious school. So, you know, you have religious, those religious schools hire people in those religions and they tend to, in those religions, they tend to be bigots. And so Kim Larkin is bigot. Is a bigot. She's a homophobic bigot. I'm gonna, I'm gonna say that about her. Uh, it's widely known. And so while Brittany Grinding was winning her championships, and she's parlaying all that into big paydays, like she's making money off the, 
are, are these women gay or not, she won't support them. So she took a lot of flack for that. And she's a Trumper. So let's get that out. So now let's come back to the women's final. So Kim Malarkey is now coaching at LSU. All her players are black, black women. All the players are black women. She's a Trumper. Now you try to put that together. But it's, it's not just her. Many college and professional sports uh, coaches, managers, and baseball team owners are diehard Republicans that make their money off these um, black and mostly black, but there there's some other minorities um, athletes. That's how they make their money. So they're okay making money off them, but they won't support anything that supports them off the court. So that's the setup. So Caitlin Clark in Iowa, right? Caitlin Clark is um, white girl, white woman. Angel Reese is a black woman. Caitlin plays for Iowa. Iowa's 98. The state is 96 something percent white, right? Angel Reese, black woman, plays for LSU in Louisiana. Now, Louisiana is heavily, heavily black, but Louisiana is a southern state run by white people, right? So they got issues, but they, they do have diversity, which Iowa does not have. And most of the most of the Iowa players are white. Most of the LSU players are black. But I but LSU's coach is this Kim Malarkey lady who's a homophobic racist bigot, Trumper. So you get all those storylines in this finals. So following this online, and anytime you have uh, a stark contrast in races between teams or cities, the battle lines are drawn in America, right? You, you, you will get white versus black because that's who America, um, that's who America is. So you got all these battle lines. Now, let's go back to the trash talking. Caitlin Clark as player of the year. Uh, she's a trash talker. Now let me tell you something about trash talking. Trash talking in sports is a global thing started by black Americans. We started that shit, right? We've been trash talking, you know, the most um, known is Muhammad Ali. Muhammad Ali trash talked his entire career, right? But you can go back to Jack Johnson. He was a black boxer in the 1910s and 20s, heavyweight champion. That's when boxing was the number one sport in the world. And he trash talked opponents. And it was a big deal because um, he also liked white women <laughs> way back then. That, that was a whole problem. So anyway, so after Muhammad Ali, trash talking became more prolific. And so instead of athletes, um, you know, giving interviews and say, oh, my opponent is really good. Black people weren't like that. And that was that's how that was. That was how white athletes did things. And there's been a lot of studies on this about who makes the rules um, around what is considered sports conduct and sportsmanship and things like that. And most of those rules are written by white men for white people. And then everyone else just has to abide by their rules. And they, and they built their rules into the rules of the game. 
right? So NFL or all the play, uh, NFL and NBA, they have taunting. You can't taunt. And for a long time, NFL banned touchdown dances and touchdown celebrations. And they, they create little weird phrases like, act like you've been there before, you know, meaning you score a touchdown, don't dance, act like you've been there before. You know, don't don't spike the football. Don't dunk. You know, dunking was seen as a form of expression. And they banned dunking in the 60s. So black people and people of color in general are very expressive. Right. So when when, when we win or when we do something, well, we celebrate it and we celebrate it loudly. And so the white owners of the sports built in rules that said, if you do that, you and your team will be penalized. And so then the, the white coaches and reinforce that, right? Their job was to keep their black players from celebrating. Now, there's a lot of history on this. Okay, so trash talking goes global. You see it in international football, soccer. You see it in Olympic sports. You see it in these uh, basketball is a very global sport. You see it all over. You see it in baseball home runs, back flipping, and, you know, the trot around the base, you know, as much as the white ownership try to um, keep expression out of sports, they couldn't. They couldn't because, one, the majority of athletes are black. In football, the majority are black. In basketball, the majority are black. And those sports was particularly basketball is global. And then in baseball, even though the majority of your players in America are not black, a significant portion are from Latin America, right? And so you go to all these Latin American countries and see baseball playing and there's expression, there's celebration, there's a big deal, right? So you see it. So anyway, and then trash talking went to another level um, with Larry Bird, Magic Johnson, because uh, Larry Bird was uh, one of the greatest, white guy, one of the greatest players of his era and played for Boston, from Indiana, played for Boston. And Larry Bird had what we, at the time, called, he played like a black guy. He shot, he, sh he nobody could shoot better than Larry Bird in this day, nobody. He's one, still one of the greatest shooters of all time, one of the greatest players of all time. And Larry Bird talked shit like a black guy, nonstop. He was in your face nonstop. And you know what? The white media loved it. So down the tables were turned. You had one of the best basketball players in America who was a white guy who played for Boston, right? Historically racist place. place. Don't be, don't be offended, Boston. Y'all know who you are. And he was, he was the, like the number one trash talker. All of a sudden, white people, white sports people, and not just the fans, but the columnists and the TV people, they had somebody that could go toe-to-toe, -to -toe, so to speak, in trash talking with black athletes, and he could back it up, right? Which black people didn't have a problem with it. Like, I'm going to tell you at the time, I hate Larry Bird. We respect Larry Bird. Larry Bird was the real deal. You don't have any black people saying that. Even those of us at the time, like he was not the great white hope. Larry Bird was the real deal, right? Black ballers know that, knew it then, know it now, right? So then Michael Jordan comes along, 
and then Trash Talking went because it was Michael Jordan went to another level. Okay, so, and I don't have to explain who Michael Jordan is. So Caitlin Clark, white girl from Iowa, is a trash talker. So all that around, all that goes around the globe and comes right back to 96% white Iowa. A girl named Caitlin Clark, a young woman named Caitlin Clark, is a trash talker. And her team is in the finals. The, fi- the women's final four was the most watched women's final four ever. And this final ended up being the most watched women's final four ever. And now you have Angel Reese, 20-year-old 20, 20 black girl, right? Black woman, young black woman. And she is of this generation. She makes the TikTok dance videos, all, the, all that stuff, right? She's fully in this generation. And she plays... Um, She's 20, so she plays her age, right? She plays with joy, with energy, with fire, and she also trash talks. So now these two are going up against each other. So Caitlin Clark is like half of her team's offense. That's how good she is. She is just a mad scoring machine. Again, like Curry, she's a mad scoring machine. She can score in bunches. So the game is is pretty close in the first half, but Iowa, uh, LSU hits a few late threes in the first half, and they're up by like 13 at the half. But Iowa is there. It's not It's not um, a blowout. And then in the second half, Iowa makes a run, right? And they, I think they get it to maybe five, four points or something like that before LSU then takes over and goes on one of those uh, LSU famous basketball type runs where they score, they outscored them like 20 to five in about eight minutes. Like it, it's just, it's crazy. And they really put the game away. So late in the fourth quarter, they put the game away and Kaylin Clark, you know, she was hauling up threes and stuff. She had a great game and, uh, but her team was just not the better team. LSU was clearly a better, better team. And this wasn't about Kim Malarkey was a better coach than the other coach. Cause I don't think that's true. But uh, LSU had more better players. So Angel Reese was the best player for LSU, but they had maybe 20, 30 points come off their bench, right? They were killing it. That team was just better uh, woman one through woman 12 than Iowa. So they ended up winning by like 15 or something like that. And towards the end of the game, Angel Reese did some trash talking to Caitlin Clark. Now, I'm going to go back. Kaylin Clark is a trash talker, right? And she she has copied this gesture that is known as a John Cena, but is actually from a black rapper because, you know, you know, we start all the trends in this country. In this country. So, and basically you put your, your hand is in front of your face and you're waving, like you're waving at yourself in front of your face. And it's basically like, you don't see me like this kind of deal. It's like just some silly trash talking. And... Caitlin Clark had done that in prior rounds to players and the white sports media ate it up. They loved her. Very similar to Larry Bird. Um, they loved her because she could back up her trash talk. And when they beat Louisville, you know, she was, you know, trash talking, waving her hand and, you know, just, just doing all kinds of stuff. And she'd been doing it all year. And there's even, you know, ESPN and Fox Sports One and, you know, uh, I think CBS was doing their, 
the finals. You know, they did profiles on her and her trash talking, interviews with her teammates, how they love it and excited about it, and all this kind of stuff. Well, towards the end of the game, LSU had it locked up. Angel Reese walked by Kaylin Clark, and she did she did the the she did the hand movement into her face, right? She waved her hand, you know, signifying, you know, you know, see this. And then she did the thing that players do when they're talking, um, she's talking about a player. She put, she pointed to her ring finger, meaning they were going to win the championship and get the ring. Like that's, that's a big deal. And so white sports media lost their shit. They, we are now on, on week or on like day nine of white sports media attacking um, Angel Reese for trash talking Caitlin Clark. So that was a long story to tell you. <laughs> That's where we are. And because of the setup of the game, white versus black, Iowa versus Louisiana, Kamalarki is a racist bigot, a racist homophobic bigot, a homophobic racist bigot. And then Caitlin Clark, the best player in the game, and Angel Reese, one of the most popular players in the game. And then they're trash talking, you know, hits head to head. And it gets, it turns into America's racial quagmire, right? Everybody takes up sides. And then Dr. Jill Biden gets involved because Dr. Jill Biden was at the final. So she's sitting in the boxes up there and she gets interviewed after the game and she said, oh, it was a great game. And I hope, I'm going to see if we can also invite Iowa, the Iowa team to the White House. Oh my God. Okay. So let's take a pause here. There's an American tradition. I don't know who it started with. Probably started with like FDR or something like that. I don't know who started, or John Kennedy. I don't know who started this nonsense, but winning championship sports teams go visit the White House for a day of, you know, food and celebration and photo ops with the president. And it is a, it has, it was, has always been, it doesn't matter who the president is, Republican or Democrat, it doesn't matter. It's just a, a celebration. So across all this, you know, what we call the, the major four sports, um, Major League Baseball, NBA, uh, NFL, and hockey, and then uh, men's and women's college basketball. But you'll also get Olympic athletes, this kind of stuff. But generally, you, the winning team, the championship team, goes to the White House. And it, it had always been nonpartisan. It's just been a, you know what, there's no politics in this. We're just going to, the president's going to recognize the winning team and have a good time. They get a jersey, you know, a, a ball or something like that. It's just a photo op and it's a good time. Um, until Obama was president. And then a couple of white coaches didn't want to go. Ta-da. And so then Trump was president. And then some of the black players didn't want to go. Said, we don't want to go to that White House to a guy who's racist. Like, why would we do that? And so, you know, because this is America. So anyway, but it's always only exclusively the winning team. So then Dr. Joe Biden stepped into this, this, this um, women's final. You got this black and white deal going on. You got this homophobic racist coach. You got the trash talking. And she says, we should also invite the losing team. Oh, God. Social media blew up. And 
the sides were taken again. Black people were like, why, when black women win something, do they have to share the space with the losing white team, right? The losing white person. It was, it was giving orange slices and participation trophies. And it blew, it blew up. And, and they interviewed Kayla, oh, not Kayla, um, Angel Reese about it. She was like, that's not fair. If we had lost, she wasn't going to invite us. Now, let me tell you something. So now you get into politics. You get into the fact that the most loyal Democratic vote across all demographics are Black women. Not Black men, not Hispanic women or men, not white women or men, not Asian. It's Black women. By far, it's Black women and then Black men and then Latina women and then Latino men and then um, Asian women and, and I'm not sure where Asian men fall and then white women and then white men I guess in, in that order but the top of the schedule top of the heat top of the mountain black women and this administration won 77 million votes and they got President Biden got I want to say 94% of black women to vote for him just like Hillary Clinton got 90 something percent of black women to vote for her, right? So more black women voted for Hillary Clinton as a percentage, because, you know, we don't have the numbers in this country, but as a percentage than white women, more black women voted for Hillary Clinton than white women. I mean, you think about that for a moment. And the moment Joe Biden announced that Kamala Harris was his running mate, he got record breaking donations his donations skyrocket because now he had got black women on board right even when black women had um issues with kamala harris not all you guys got to throw that not all in here um but once president biden showed that he was going to put his presidential aspirations in the hands of a black woman black woman he he was all locked to win it was a done deal then Right. She pushed him over the top. So here comes Dr. His wife says we should invite the losing white team to come celebrate with the winning black team for the first time in all history. Good God. The Internet blew up and people went after Dr. Jill Biden because she had done a couple of fishy things before. And it took overnight. But finally. Her PR backtracked and said, oh, she wasn't saying that she was going to do that, even though the statement was literally, I'm going to ask the president to do that. The PR person backtracked and said, or spokesperson backtracked and said, no, she was just saying that, you know, she wanted to congratulate the winners and for great uh, participation. I don't know, some kind of garbage. Um, but the damage was done. And as of this recording, she really should have said something herself and apologized, but she's trying to stay out of it now because she opened her mouth and she shouldn't have said anything because then you diminish and you get to the heart of the, the deal where, where there's this, a popular saying, we can't have nothing. Like that's the popular saying amongst black people that when we want to celebrate something or when we want to have joy, there's always something that's going to come from white America to stem that joy. And that's what it was this time. It was Joe Biden. 
Like, why did you have to say that right then? And so now we're, we're, you know, we're a week later and it still hasn't gone down. And finally, finally, uh, like I said, she put her, her spokesperson put out a comment and then finally someone interviewed Caitlin Clark from Iowa. She was like, I don't have any problem with that trash talking. This is what we do. We're competitors. We knew it was going to be competitive. We knew we were going to be trash talking and I don't, we shouldn't be invited to the white house. Like we didn't win. I want to be invited when we win, which, which is what most people are saying. Like you can't go like, that's not part of the deal. It's symbolic, but so what you go if you're a winner. And so by her saying that it was important that the media, the white media hear it from her. Right. Because they had to put that down. They, they you can't be a competitor not just her, but her coach spoke as well. She said, no, we don't deserve to go to the White House, but we would, we'd be happy to have Dr. Joe Biden come to Iowa, come to our school, and one of our practices, or I don't know, you know, just some really benign, nice comment. You know, nothing really bad. Just come visit us. We're not going to go. And you needed that. You needed, you needed white people to put a lid on that whole thing. It wasn't good enough that Angel Reese said, this is not fair, we wouldn't do it, because the media won't listen to black people like that. The general public won't listen to black people like that. You needed Caitlin Clark and her coach to say something, and once they did, it all went away, right? Mostly, it all went away, most. It's not completely gone, but it's mostly gone. So anyway, that was a big week. So what are we watching, Jen? Here's what we're watching. So Jennifer would say she's watching some uh, police procedural, you know, some gritty police procedural show on one of the streaming services, um, uh, like Mayor of Kingstown. Like she loves, she loves that show. And you know what? I got to admit, I watched a couple of episodes. I watched a few episodes of it, and it is really good. It was just too intense for me. Like it, it, it was too intense, um, but it, it is really good. I binged, though, because I'm a superior TV viewer than my co-host. I binged uh, The Night Agent on Netflix. And it is an easy binge. It's eight episodes. The episodes are 45 to 52 minutes. And it's essentially about this guy. He is the night agent who staffs a phone in the bowels of the White House that you just, you hope never rings. It means there's some type of, you know, big emergency, not necessarily national emergency, but it could be. And one night he answers the phone from a lady who says her aunt had given her this number to call in case she something happened to her. And that's the premise of the show. So he and this lady eventually get together and it's a, it's a spy versus spy kind of thing. It's twisty. It's a thriller. It's fast paced. Um, there's um, actors' faces that you'll know and recognize. And it's all about, you know, this intrigue with the White House, the FBI, the CIA, or not the CIA, maybe the Secret Service. That's what I think it is. And um, some underhanded dealings and stuff like that. And you're trying to, you're just like the, um, the main two characters, uh, the night agent and the lady trying to figure out this mystery while trying to stay alive. So it's very fast paced. Um, I like the acting because, you know, it's, um, 
it's not Academy Award level, but so what? I don't want to watch a stupid Academy Award level acting on an eight-part Netflix series. I want some action, some excitement, some twisty turns. And of course, there's some things you can um, figure out, but there's some things you won't figure out. You just have to go through the process and, and see what happens. But it's all pretty good. And I saw that it was just... Um, uh, there's going to be a season two. And, and, and it was sort of set up for season two, you can tell. But anyway, it's very good. It's called The Night Agent, and it's on, it's on Netflix. Um, and then the other thing I'm watching is I saw John Wick 4 at the movies. So let me tell you about John Wick 4. I lost count, but I think John Wick killed 800 people. <laughs> John Wick killed 800 people. Right. But he did save the dog. So, you know, that's not really a spoiler because, you know, there's a dog theme across John Wick from the first from the first one. And so basically, John Wick is a video game. Right. You have all these faceless. So, I mean, sometimes you do see their faces, but, you know, you go through a series of sets where you have to survive the set. And the only way you survive, like like a video game, going into the building or going into the building rubbish or rubbish or going into the mall or into a battlefield or into a city street, you have to just kill everybody. Like that's what you do to get to the next stage of the game. So that's what John Wick is like. You're just going with him to kill everybody. Just kill everybody. Like that's the premise of the movie, kill everybody. Um, but basically the setup is if you're, if you saw John Wick one, John Wick is a, is an assassin, right? He works for some mystery, mysterious organization that is not really beholden to any government or anything. He's just an assassin and he's very good at it, but he has retired. He's gotten out of the game until one day, this is, this is, um, John Wick one, one day he's getting gas and some, some gangsters, there's not some hooligans. They're just young men, but they were like affiliated with some gangsters. They like his car. He has a very nice, like, souped-up Mustang, classic Mustang, like a 65 or 66 Mustang or something, something like that. And there's a dog in the car. And they asked him to, because they're just, you know, punks, they asked him to buy his car. And he was like, and eh, not for sale, it goes about his business. Well, they sort of trail him or something, and they, you know, beat him up. And they go to his house. That's what I, they trail him to his house because um, they want to steal his car and he fights them all for something, but they kill his dog, right? They kill his dog. They steal his car. He was, he was mad about the car, but it, they killed his dog. So we're now John Wick 4. He's still getting revenge for that dog. <laughs> so I don't own a dog, but I do understand, you know, dog people love their dogs. So John Wick 1, you know, the, the, the father of the thugs who killed his dog, the father finds out, he, and he was like, because when his henchman tells him, like, they, you know, they stole this guy's car, killed his dog, and the father's like, the gangster father's like, why are you telling me this? I don't care. And then, the hit, then his little henchman goes, uh, the dog was John Wick's dog. And the father's like, oh, my motherfucking God, like, what are you saying? So, anyway, so John Wick kills everybody, and, and episode one and then this shadowy organization hides these assassins aside 
they gotta they need to kill John Wick because he has broken some of their rules and killed some of their own. So that's sort of like John Wick two. So he's sort of on the run, but he's not really. But they're sending assassins after him, and he's just killing them. That's that's two, and then the three. You keep going up the levels of this organization, sending more and more baddies to kill John Wick, and he just keeps killing them. So now you get to four, and you're sort of you're not at the top of the organization, but you're like you're right there. You're like with a member, a person who is a member of the top organization. So you're almost at the top, and you know they're just sending waves of people to kill John Wick. <laughs> John Wick's killing them all. Um, But uh, I think that John Wick 4 could also be called IP Man 3.5 because the guy who stars in IP Man, the IP Man movies, you know, the martial arts movies, the guy who trained Bruce Lee, you know, that's the IP Man, he is in John Wick 4. So it's great to see him. I can't think of his name right now, but he's a great actor and um, he's in John Wick 4. So and he, he is a martial arts artist and uh, in the movie. And so it's sort of like IP Man 3.5. 3.5. So if you like video games, you'll like John Wick. Um, if you like creative and inventive ways that um, a person can kill with mostly various guns, but also other methods. And somehow, you know, hundreds and hundreds of guys who are trying to kill him all fail. <laughs> they all fail because apparently this whole this whole assassin organization only John Wick is really good at his job. So <laughs> anyway, it is it's a long it's a long movie. But if if you like John Wick, you're gonna love this movie. So that's that's that. Um, and then because I'm filming this on Thursday, uh, I wanted to say to those who celebrate Passover, happy Passover, right? And for those who celebrate Easter, happy Easter. And we are still in Ramadan, so happy Ramadan. And those um, folk that aren't celebrating nothing, like me, (laughs) I hope you have a wonderful um, week and We'll be able to chat about this next week because uh, my friend Jennifer will find out. And um, uh, oh, I know one other, one other thing I was going to say. So, see, uh, rate us. We're supposed to say this after, after in, in, in every show. Rate us uh, wherever you pick up this podcast. Leave a review. It all really does help. And you know what? There are other podcasts in our network um, that are really good. Uh, it's like this. Is one of my favorites, and they've been giving us shout outs lately. And so I want to show my appreciation to my fellow um, podcast uh, family and shout them out. They're a very good pop culture podcast. And so if you want to go deep on pop culture, music, TV, reality shows, um, just celebrity stuff, that's the show. Uh, Greg and Elian do that show, and they're, they're very good. And it's funny because they have a really good uh, repertoire and contrast and um they're both funny in their own way greg is sort of droll in his humor but it's very biting sometimes you're like, wait a minute i think he just burned someone and it's very good and he has a non-sequitur type humor so it's very good and elian knows her pop stuff and then inexplicably she'll just like 
be talking in Spanish and we're like, what the hell is happening? But it all makes sense if you just listen through it. So um, they do very good quizzes, pop culture quizzes and just random errata, just stuff. But it's a very entertaining um, 40 minutes to an hour show. Um, anyway, good show. So check us out. Check me out online. Check on Spoutable because Twitter is going to hell. Um, Myron J. Clifton on Spoutable my handle but it's also the handle on twitter and twitter is it's just a nightmare it's just arguing and fighting most of the time um i try to avoid all that but check me out there check me on spoutable it's a new app that is if you if you've ever used twitter it looks and feels just like twitter it's the only one of all the alternatives that looks and feels like twitter but it's a little better because you can post up to 10 photos and you have 300 characters instead of 240 on twitter and only four photos so you don't have elon musk forcing in all the wrap into your timeline um same name on instagram and, and facebook um i post there I, I mostly i mean i post there a few times a week but I, I'll, I'll lurk and like things on facebook and instagram um but i do most on uh, twitter and spotable i do post on facebook because i have a lot of family and friends there so i do some stuff on facebook uh, same name but i also have two accounts on facebook i'm also dear dean dear dean publishing check me out there um, and then I mostly lurk on TikTok because I just started trying to make the videos, but you know, you'll see me comment here and there, same name and everything. And to check out my bookstore on Amazon or all my bookstore, also on Barnes and Noble online, just Myron Clifton, Myron J. Clifton. Um, I'm a really good writer. So check out my stuff. And Jenna's big button smile on, um, Twitter. She mostly lurks on Twitter. She does more on Instagram and, um, she doesn't do much on Facebook. She's 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 lame on Facebook. She's more Instagram girl. It's probably her age. She's just stuck on Instagram. The rest of us have moved on. We do other things, you know. Like like she's probably still on Snapchat. <laughs> Who uses Snapchat anymore? Um, but anyway, check us out and thanks for listening. See you next week. Bye.